My name is Chris Vaughn. I'm a published author of Twisted Stories featuring strong female characters and a consultant to multi-passionate women. I am also in her company's creator and founder. In her company was founded on the belief that great things happen when women gather. We began as a weekly radio show in 2009 that gained over 16,000 listens, featuring diverse women in business, and are now a company and a growing platform for women discussing how they create, build, and live. Our expanded mission is to help women answer the question, what's next, create a plan to get it, and to birth their huge impossible visions. This mini-series is not only timely because of COVID, but perhaps more relevant because of such, and that we're at an unprecedented time in which women are finding themselves at various points of transition and the level of uncomfortableness that increases with each, causing them to question themselves and what they knew of the world around them. Through the following discussions, I hope you see that you are not alone, that you can weather transition, and that you glean insight to help you land on the other side of this better and more assured, no matter what it feels like now. So I look forward to your thoughts and your comments. Now on with today's discussion. Joining me is Susan Netsker, the author of two books, A Practical Guide to Awareness and Putting Awareness into Practice, and her third, a compilation that's in progress. Susan began exploring the concept of self-awareness in the early 80s, and after moving to Atlanta, where I am, incidentally, we went on a personal self-actualization quest, traveling the world, seeking answers. It would be at a writing retreat in Glastonbury, that in 72 hours, she wrote the book that would change her life. Susan joins us to share her journey of her 30-year career as a veteran public relations professional, wife, and mother into a self-awareness author and public speaker. Susan, welcome to In Her Company. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be on your show. Ah, we are excited about having you. So, Tell us, what did life look like for you 10 years ago? Well, so 10 years ago, I had my own company. And really 20 years ago is when the light bulb came on. But I was on that journey on searching for what was missing. So 10 yeah. years ago, I had my own company. I was working all the time. I still felt like something was missing, even though I had, you know, obviously I was gifted with many things and um, very successful, doing well, um, got married again, but always felt like I wanted to write a book my whole life. And you know how people say that. And it is a cliche, but I never focused on it. So right. I, I was finding that I had more time and I was and I said to myself, I think I'm going to try to in 25th December of 2014 to see what I'm going to write about. And then I got this email from the con the create the conscious and creative um, foundation and about this retreat in Glastonbury. And I just felt a pull and I knew I had to go. So I went and I was the only American there. Not that that matters, but I just tried really hard to go without any expectations. And it, it, 
it was mind blowing the the later the purpose and the synchronicity for for why it was happening and and how it led me to completely fulfill my purpose so you know it was later in life but thankfully it happened <laughs> so you know, that I know was it. when I wrote the book can you see this yes turn it yeah okay and yes. so I this I've never been to a writing anything. I mean, I write for business, obviously. <clears throat> and I was an English major in college. So we we there's a process to connect to your creative consciousness. And through that meditation and mind mapping, I basically wrote the outline, the title, and started writing the book the first day of the retreat. Wow. The first day of the retreat. Because you go, you know, and then you have alone time. And I wanted to go outside. So I went into the gardens of Glastonbury Abbey, which historically, spiritually, is an, is a very significant place. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just started writing the book. And I didn't stop until I was finished when I was back home later. So once that happens to you, and you know in the moment of, that you're transforming. You just know right. it, it. that's what you're meant to do. You have to do it. So that's what I've been doing for the last five years. So, so we, okay. So you still went to the retreat or did you just say, Hey, I'm here and start writing and just, no, we, no, I did. It, it was whatever, three and a half days. And yeah. um, because it was, the people involved were were also a key to that because okay. we're, you know, so now we're still very much in touch. They're in touch. There's a group of us that have become really good friends who wow. collaborated with on that third book. Um, okay. Live a life you love after 50 plus. So all those authors are in the UK and I'm maybe one of two Americans who collaborated on the book. Um so the whole process was integral to understanding, you know, the transformation. So it wasn't just, you know, writing it and c connecting. Mm -hmm. It was the whole thing. And it was beautiful mm -hmm. and transformative. So the was just to get you to Glastonbury to yeah. be around. Okay. Understood. Because I've heard things like that. They really do happen. You set out thinking that you're pursuing one course. And then wind up finding something so much greater. I really didn't know. And I just went without expectation because I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want to fill in the vortex, so to speak, before it was happening. Right. So, so it was great. Ending, but then you have to do that work no matter what's right. happening in your life. So that's the, so the process after that, um, writing the book, you know, mm -hmm. with my husband was starting a restaurant. My son was graduating from high school, so and running oh, my business. So, so you had a lot of life changes going on around yeah. you then. Okay, so in that process, obviously, you you mentioned that you felt called to Glastonbury. Um, originally, you thought it was for the retreat and whatnot, but <laughs> I'm sure you began sensing that there was something changing even before that. So mm -hmm. 
show, was that like uncomfortable because you were already well into your career? So how did that feel? I think I probably kept it to myself and I, but spiritually, you know, I had my, you know, I had my daily um, uh, routine, mm-hmm. but it completely changed. So I was still, I still felt like something was missing. So, okay. so I was still moving forward in this reality of what everybody does, you know, career, marriage, family, but I still okay. felt day routine, basically. Yeah, but I still felt like I wasn't fulfilling my purpose because, you know, I mean, PR and marketing is fine, but that's not anybody's purpose. So I knew, you know, internally. So once I, so once it happened, I, I felt, I, then I knew I had the answers once I was there and then I came back. But the, the uncomfortable part afterwards was integrating that into my current, that current lifestyle. So mm-hmm. they had to change, and they did. <laughs> In a big yeah, that's way. what I wanted to, you know, t- talk to you about because um, we're speaking about transition, mm-hmm. and I think that's that will fall under the resistance that we feel to change because our knee jerk reaction, in some cases, is, "Oh, that's cute." Okay, so how can I fit it into what I'm already doing? Because Mm -hmm. we don't want to give that up all the time. We may know that there's something, like you said, is missing, but either we flat out reject it and push it to the back of our mind because Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, that's just crazy. It's uncomfortable. I can't do this. I have, you know, X amount of years vested in what I'm doing. Or either we say, okay, this is new, but how do I fit it into what I already know is not working? Well, what I felt was excited because I like change. So I, everybody's different. And um, I was 53. So I thought my life was going to be one way. Mm-hmm. But now I knew, hey, I have this new life. And I was extremely excited. I mean, other people around me weren't. But <laughs> I saw continued to do, well, you know. My family. But yeah, um, let's let's talk about that also after you you know finish your comment. Let's talk about that also because oh, people around yeah. us to shift too. So so basically, what I did was I would write every morning because I was still writing my book, okay. and okay. So I would write, and then I would do whatever client work I had to do later, and then I would help my husband who was opening his restaurant. So I was doing the marketing for that. Um, okay. So I kept doing it, but I kept feeling increasingly uncomfortable that I wanted to spend more time. And I knew, and I mean, at, at the time I have to say my ex-husband was really supportive, but you know, he wanted the time for the restaurant. So basically I'm a, you know, I'm a creative. I'm not going to be, I didn't feel comfortable being the wife of a restaurateur and it was just boring to me. And I, <laughs> so I just, eventually we, we got divorced because I wanted to focus Ooh. on my creative work okay. and he wanted me to help him do the restaurant. And I was, and I, oh, wow. we, well, it was a little shocking cause it was sudden, but it was the bet. It was fine. It, you know, it was 
a good thing that had to happen. Okay. But it was shocking mm-hmm. to me because I was surprised because I guess, you know, I was really, <laughs> was really involved in my writing and getting my book edited and getting it to where it needed to be and then dealing with everything else. So, but obviously it was meant to happen and I understand how that works. So I just went with the flow and did what I had to do. Do you think that um, societal norms possibly played a role in your divorce? Because even though women have careers Mm-hmm. And we obviously have purposes of our own lives, of our own. The expectation is still largely that a woman's career is secondary to a man's, in this case, and to her husband's. And I would think that, or I would hope that him being as focused and committed mm-hmm. to being a restaurateur that mm-hmm. that meant that he would have understood your focus, your drive, your commitment to you being, you know, your writing and whatnot. Yet I'm hearing that, unfortunately, it did not. So. Well, and there's a reason for that, because I wasn't making as much money as I was doing marketing all the time. So the it was the financial aspect. Okay. So so that was the unfortunately. I mean, you can call it what you want, but whatever it is, it was meant to be. So Mm -hmm. all of the support was there, but as long as I was there to help him and support financially, because when you're building a restaurant and you're putting all your money into it, you know, he wasn't bringing in money, but I had to. So that was the bottom line. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It comes out. But also you have to remember, and he's from Paris, he's Parisian. And um, I mean, they're u- unique people for sure. I don't know if you're watching Emily in Paris, the new show on Netflix, but it's hilarious because it nails Parisians totally. It's so funny. Oh, wow. I've watched it like one and a half times now. It's so funny. <laughs> so, you know, but, and I under so I just moved through everything I had to move through. And then I moved to back to Atlanta. Okay. So that was, was that the inciting incident or the trigger that finally caused you to admit, okay, this is going to be a little bit more than temporary or was there in fact something else? Oh no. I mean, I just pretty much knew I wanted it. So I changed my business model Mm -hmm. to work with people who were helping other people. And I tried to work with coaches and I did a little bit, but I just basically started working with people who were always helping other people. And I was marketing my book and finishing it. And then when I, when our divorce was final, I published my book. I lived with my mom for a couple months before I got my place in Atlanta. So I, so I was just focusing on the book and doing that work marketing it and I and you know marketing your a book that you're publishing whatever it's about if you start in your hometown you're always going to have success because you know obviously (laughs) I knew a lot of people so it was very um rewarding and heartwarming to see all the support I had so that you know was extremely helpful and then 
So where are we now? 2020. So I've just been continuously self-marketing and working on other things. And, and I, you know, I still do PR work and that kind of thing. I do a lot of writing work too. So you just have to believe it. I mean, once you have the feeling that, you know, that's what you're meant to do. And I know that I help a lot of people through this work. Right. Not right. everybody's ready to be self-aware. So five yeah. years ago, it's different now because of everything we're going through with the pandemic. Of course. Yeah, and there are no distractions. Life has been stripped down. Exactly. You, know, you can't so, be busy for the sake of being busy. So people are left with themselves. It's like, hello, absolutely. this is who you are. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So here we yeah. are. <laughs> And, you know, I don't um, before we move on um, to my next question, I don't want to I want to be sure that we don't overlook the external factors around you that played a part in the change, because um, I've spoken to a lot of women and no matter where what station they are in life from being extremely successful to not quite being sure what they wanted to do fresh out of college, some of Mm -hmm. them are. Stop going to college is what I meant. They um, dropped out and pursued another path where they actually bloomed. Some have um, revealed to me that they knew that they were changing, that they were okay, you know, eventually with the transition. But what they didn't expect was how their parents responded or how their friends responded because they went from being either the life as social gatherings or the friend that had the cool job. And now maybe they were hiking across, you know, America or something. And so they come back, they go with their friends and their friends, you know, literally introduce them. Well, this is, you know, I'm making up a name. <laughs> this is um, Sarah. And she, well, this is my friend, Sarah. And I'm like, wow. Because they don't have a title to, you know, reference them or they don't have a category or field to put them in anymore. So, you know, before we move on, how did the people, did they change around you or? Not really. I mean, you know, because I was a bit older, I guess. I don't know. Everybody said this. People were just saying, you know, this is Susan, my friend. She just published her book or, you know, she's a writer and. I think other people accepted it quicker than I did myself because I'm so used oh, wow. to being a girl. And then I and I would go, yeah, I am a writer. <laughs> you know I mean? So that was not an issue for me. And also, though, I've always been um, fairly nonconformist my whole life. So I think uh, people just expected <laughs> things from me. So okay. Okay. Yeah. I just to cover that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so was there an obvious turning point? Um, was this transition for you just the first part or did it lead to yet another? No, I would say, I mean, obviously we're all changing all the time, every day. The biggest, when I moved to Atlanta, what I really learned how to do was be present in the each moment, every moment, every day. And you can say you're doing that, but it's that's what my work is about, helping people manage that, mm-hmm. helping professionals, helping every kind of person because when you're present, you you're more focused on what you ha- what you either have to accomplish or want to accomplish, whether it's in your job or in your personal life or in your creative life. 
Um, because if you're always in your head and you're thinking about all the other things you have to do, you're not present and you're not allowing yeah. the flow. And so what I really crystallized, what was crystallized for me by moving here and living alone was doing that. And so I'm, I, I focus on that every day, but I also write about it a lot. So I write, you know, mm-hmm. articles for magazines and my blogs or whatever, because people tend to minimize mindfulness. Yeah. Um, it, but it's extremely difficult and it's, but it's a very helpful um, tool to have in your toolkit and to know, you know, how to bring yourself back to being in the moment. If, I mean, it does happen, you know, we do think about other things when we're, you know, working or doing whatever we have to do. Um, but when everybody feel, you know, like, especially now during the pandemic, people are working from home and people that I've talked to who I work with, everyone feels like they have to be more productive because they're working from home. So you lose sight of, you know, who you are as yeah. a person and what your purpose is. And um, so I'm helping people deal with that because it's really hard to maintain your self-awareness and people, they minimize mindfulness as a, all kinds of different ways, you know, surprisingly, but it's extremely difficult to do. And mindfulness is still not understood. It's still, it's very hard to understand for people who aren't willing to do the work and you have to do the work. So that's what right. I help do. Because no one loves process. They love process <laughs> when it comes to a career path or when it comes to gaining a degree or when it comes to things like losing weight, but they exactly. don't like that it's a process when it comes to the thing that matters most, which exactly. is themselves. Because everything exactly. begins with you. You know, whoever you are, it shows up, whether it's, it's going to show up in your business, it's going to show up in your relationships, you know. But we yeah, like that. You, know that saying, you know that saying, it's an inside job. It's yes. really It's really an inside job. And when you say that to people who get it, you click yeah. immediately and it's really fun. And then the people who, I mean, I work with people t- to help them do marketing and I, talked to recently somebody who wanted help marketing a podcast and they said no no I'm not in the mindfulness space I help people with trauma you know with that be in that mindfulness space and I said oh okay (laughs) because totally totally minimizing mindfulness as if people who have had trauma are the only ones who need to be mindful or that that's the right. only one that's important or worth the work. Right. right. And you know, some of that is understand as understandable uh-huh. um, because we have these cute buzzwords now and mm-hmm. we have science sound bites it's like sustainability. Remember when people started talking about that initially it was 100% tied to things that will stand the test of time and green. Over time, everybody started talking about sustainability. So, um, you know, when you're talking about trends, it's like, okay, who wants to be trendy? But it's that defining 
what it is that you do, because now she's missing out on the market that she is serving because of the connotation that it has, not the true denotation that would bring value to her clients. Exactly. Exactly. And mindfulness is for for everyone. It's not just for trauma victims. In fact, why don't you um, just mm-hmm. tell us quickly, <laughs> because mindfulness is an entirely different discussion course, you know, path. But mm-hmm. just for those, because I do believe that it is relevant. It is very much relevant to the discussion mm-hmm. that we're having on transition. So can you just share with us briefly what mm-hmm. mindfulness is and then we'll continue on? And so in my practice is how I'll refer to it, because it can. And I think there are various tenets of mindfulness mm-hmm. for actually my book, I refer to the tenants and the various relationships that impact mindfulness. And so, you know, and that's your family, that's your spirituality or your religion. Um, that's your profession and um, your relationships to yourself, to your husband or wife or partner and to your children, to your family, mm-hmm. and then to your colleagues. So I cover all that in my book. So the different tenants as they relate to self-awareness um if you take each one and look at it and then separate it out so let's say um we're having a conversation and we're doing this podcast i'm not doing anything else right now i'm completely focused on you and i'm committed to that so that's the focus we need to have to be mindful in all of our relationships So think about it if we all did that every day. And then because we focused on ourselves first to figure out what our purpose is and what our passion is, and if we share that with everyone, think about what the world would be like. So that's that's what the work I do. So to me, mindfulness is, like I said, being present in each moment so that you allow flow because if we're thinking we have to manage everything and make things happen then there's so many things that don't happen that you ignore that you miss in in a lot of what I um present on my blog you know are is photography and I go out in nature every day and take photographs and I think going in nature it's one of the tips I use in and my mindfulness tips, because when we go outside and and look around and describe our surroundings to ourselves, you're making yourself focus on what's in the present moment. So taking that feeling and expanding it mm-hmm. and taking that awareness and expanding it little by little into your day, your week, your month, your year, then you're teaching yourself. And so it does start with those little steps and also stillness. I think a stillness practice, well, I know a stillness practice is it's um, really important in becoming self-aware and quieting your mind and learning how to do that and starting with, you know, a a few minutes a day and expanding that. So does that answer about mindfulness? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, because typically it's like, okay, we're home. We don't have to, you know, think about anything, but it's just, is a different thing. <laughs> you know, we switch gears because then you have thoughts about home, things that you get to, and 
you know, multitasking even while you're in the midst of you know, current conversation. So totally <laughs> it's the same thing, just different expression. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you try to keep yourself busy. It's the same yeah. productivity, cultural conditioning. And it might be my yeah. generation. You know, I'm sure a lot of it is. Um, but I, I've also been working on my third book um, during this transition, during the pandemic, A mm-hmm. Practical Guide to Living Fearlessly. Um, and, and, and I have to say, it's been really difficult because there's so many distractions. And I have really had to focus and make myself I'm, uh, write it. I'm typing my draft now. But I have to say it's been very difficult because it's so I call it creative resistance. You know, I can find anything else to do besides yeah. do that. And why is that? So I know through my journey and because I'm self-aware, I know that I, I may not have been ready for what's going to happen on the other side. So I'm pushing through that. Even um, Pressville in his book, he refers to that as the battle of resistance, his book, the war of art, the war Mm -hmm. on art. Yeah. Uh Yeah. That was good. And and I learned that too, in the conscious writing retreat, create what creative resistance is. And it's really, it's good to know what it is because a lot of people don't, you know, they just think as a creative whether you're a visual artist, a you know, a vocalist or whatever it is, you just think, oh, I'm just, I have writer's block or I'm not, I'm just don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm not motivated. It's not, it's not really that, but it's interesting. Right. It's an interesting dichotomy for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So how do you feel about where you are now? Well, I'm getting a little impatient, but I think everybody <laughs> Because I I, re- I want to get out on the road, you know. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I like I mentioned earlier, I have a my a, a self awareness retreat that was scheduled in the south of France for last June, and then we kept delaying it and delaying no it for next June. So that's yeah. one part of my work that would be very enjoyable that I would love to help people do, but I can't because I can't. And then public speaking, as you know, we're not doing that. Everything's online and that's totally different. And it, the whole dynamic has changed around that. And I think for me, it's been a little bit more difficult to get out there. And, but then I've been focusing on, you know, the book. So I have to try not to do too many things at once. (laughs) So what do you wish that you would have known then? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, and again, I keep going back to my generation because I'm in my fifties. I wish I had known more about, you know, what to look for and what to focus on in terms of self care. and self-love because self-love is the key if you don't love yourself you cannot love anyone else at least not appropriately because you're always putting another person's needs above your own and so I wish I had known that 10 years ago because I didn't I wasn't completely um aware of that so that is one thing I think that that women and I work with a lot of women that 
it's just cultural conditioning into our role models. And I think it has a lot to do with how your, you know, how your mother acted, how you, the women around you act and, you know, the world's changing. And obviously the 20 and 30 year olds, I think are aware of that and they are mm-hmm. very independent and I have been always independent, but when it came to relationships and marriage, Right. Um, I wasn't aware of that as, as, as I am now. So that would be the thing. And so do you have any final words of wisdom for women who are currently facing the same, facing their own transitions? Well, I would say talk to, um, you know, do the research, do the self-study, look for anything that you find interesting that you help that you think gives you the answers, because if you're looking for something or answers, try to find them. Don't ignore that pull or don't ignore that little voice that's telling you, you know, this is what you, or, or don't ignore your passion because your passion is integrally related to what your purpose is. If you're not already fulfilling your purpose and if you are keep doing it, Share it with as many people as possible, but also make yourself the number one. That doesn't mean ignore your family or whoever it is, your partners. It means keep putting yourself first so that you can continue to shine your light. Because if we all shine, if we were all uplifting others, our world would be a different place right now. And I think we're getting there. And I think the world is changing and I'm happy to see that. Um, so I would just say keep going and believe in yourself because once you know, you, really there's no turning back. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> who would want to, you know, the answer that you're looking. Exactly. Um, very simple, but the process of getting to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Susan, how can our viewers and listeners reach you and what's next on the agenda for you? Well, what's next is that I'm trying to finish my book and um, hopefully some, you know, some venues will open up as society and our workplaces yeah. open up. Yes, so <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm trying to finish that and publish it in January. And that's a practical guide to living fearlessly. And that's going to be a really straightforward step by step, just like my book is a practical guide to awareness to help people focus on what is fear, you know, because a lot of people don't understand the difference Mm -hmm. between love and fear. And that's the, those are the two emotions and thought processes that motivate us as humans. And once you know the difference and what it presents as it's, it's eye opening. So I think helping people understand that that's in my book and other things, but getting that finished and published is what's next for me. And then um, my um, I'm on Instagram as Snefsker PR because I've always been in PR. And mm-hmm. um, my I have Instagram as my book, A Practical Guide to Awareness, where I share information. You know, I have a blog, which is also all on that Instagram account or social media. And I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on, I have my blog, which is seeing beyond the ordinary. But if you just look me up, Susan Nefsker, you'll find all that. So I'm everywhere pretty much. (laughs) Well, that's what I did for a living for years. And so 
Yeah. So we would only respect that, right? <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah, I mean, somebody has to do it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's what's happened. So hopefully I'll get that done and things will open up. And I'll still, I still work with people on writing projects and um, marketing. I, I work with a lot of authors, funnily enough, and a lot of creative people. So that's fun. Awesome. awesome. Well, Susan, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. What a great conversation. Thank you. I, as well, as well. (laughs) So I hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and gain insight to help you better navigate the transitions in your life. I invite you to listen and to share your feedback on other segments within this series and to become part of this growing platform we are building for women. So follow us also on social media and visit our website inherco.net to join our list and to become aware of what some of these opportunities are. My name is Chris Vaughn. This is In Her Company.